Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Haley Selden, and she is the Head of Business Development at Digital Media Innovations short for, uh, DMI is short for that, uh, a luxury home automation company serving the state of Colorado. Originally from California, she traveled to Philadelphia to pursue degrees in civil and architectural engineering at Drexel University. After graduating in 2017 and working as a structural engineer for two years in Denver, she missed interacting directly with clients and partners. That's when she decided to make the leap into business development. Haley now uses her technical background and natural people skills to bridge the gaps between integrators, builders slash architects, and clients when it comes to the emerging field of home automation technology. Haley, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you. You reached out to me on LinkedIn and we, we talked a couple weeks ago and then that's, that's what brought you here. A little background about how I got involved with DMI is <clears throat> maybe about 10 years ago when we first started the firm, we were doing drafting for the original owner and then we've just kind of stayed in touch um, with everybody over there in various ways and connections. And I believe you guys put on like a, a webinar or seminar, right? For. Yep. Yeah. CEU credits for uh, architects. Yeah. Awesome. Well, before we get into some of the topics that I, that I had you on that I'm, I'm you know, having you on here today, um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Haley uh, before traveling to Philadelphia? Did you, did you grow up with parents who were business or sales leaders? You know, where did that come from? Yeah, I actually, I like to think I'm a good mix of both of my parents in that sense. My dad is an electrical engineer, uh, kind of turned computer engineer over the years. And then my mom was an English theater major. So I actually oh. get a lot of my extroverted side from my mom. Um, and I definitely tend to talk more like she does as well. <laughs> but uh, I, I got that technical side from my dad for sure. And even from a young age, I was always such a problem solver. And uh, it's even something that my friends would make fun of me for, you know, if paper towel machine wasn't working in the bathroom. I wouldn't leave until I had fixed it. And I still have that in a lot of ways. And so that's kind of what naturally brought me into engineering to start. Um, but I've always had a love for houses more than anything else. Um, again, even from just playing with Legos and building blocks as a kid, as you know, many of us in the construction industry do. Um, I always knew I wanted to go into that field. And from a pretty young age, I knew I wanted to be an engineer, or at least so I thought until uh, about a year ago when I realized, um, like it was in the bio, I really missed being able to interact with people. And the parts of my job that I liked the most was meeting with clients, discussing ideas, you know, holding positions on boards and things like that. And so when I started to become more acquainted with what business development was, it just seemed like a really natural shift. And then I was fortunate enough that I was able to stay still within the home building industry. Um, so I still get to have all of those interactions with clients and discuss all of their ideas without necessarily leaving what I love most. So when you were your previous jobs, then was it, it was, it sounds like it was maybe more, it was more mostly residential versus, versus the commercial kind of buildings. Yes. Uh, I was drawing structural plans for residential projects, primarily production homes, which are really big here in Denver. Uh, and then obviously custom ones whenever they came along, which is what everybody considers the fun stuff, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what I spent my time doing and I still really love it. It wasn't that I was bad at it. It's just, I didn't love it as much as I had before. And I was just ready for something different. 
Um, so it actually ended up being a relatively natural t- transition. How did you find, I mean, did you hire a recruiter to get your, find you a position like this or were you, were you just, or were you just looking for literally the complete opposite and go, <laughs> go in that direction? Cause I do that from time to time where I just go, all right, I'm done with this. I'm going to do this now and pursue it at a hundred miles an hour. Absolutely. I, uh, I actually had a couple discussions with some other engineering firms and that's when I realized I didn't want to do the same thing for somebody else. I really did want something mm-hmm. different. And I had a few friends in business development, which were really the ones that introduced me to what exactly it was, because I feel like it's not necessarily one of those things you get a degree in necessarily. Uh, and so then it was through those avenues that I just told them, hey, I would love to do something similar. If you hear of anything, please keep me in mind. And sure enough, one of my friends came through and said, hey, I met this guy who's looking to fill a position and I think it'd be a really great fit for you. Uh, mostly because, again, I have that technical mindset behind everything that I do. So even though I hadn't necessarily been involved in this level of um, sort of technical applications, I'm still able to pick it up relatively quickly and then, again, reiterate it in in more simpler terms when it comes to communication. Yeah, yeah. So you, you mentioned your mother and her um, doing the, doing drama and being an extrovert, um, being a very expressive, creative person. Do you think that's where your natural people skills came from or, or did you, or was that, you know, and if, if it was, then how did you help, de- how did you develop them further from there? Cause a lot of people have, you know, I mean, that's it, like one of the top five fears of, you know, like dying and flying and, and then public speaking or, <laughs> or engaging. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely got it from her. And then uh, funny enough, that's how I got into building to begin with. I designed and built all the theater sets in high school. Um, and so that's where I really got my first experiences, hands-on designing and then building the things that I had been designing. Um, but yeah, I definitely got them from her. And then funny enough in college, I was actually the vice president of my sorority. And I never thought that of all my college experiences, the sorority would be the one most applicable to what I ended up doing. Mm. Um, but the more that I get into my professional life, I realized that those sort of softer skills, if you will, those people skills are actually way more valuable than they're made out to be. Like, yes, I have two engineering degrees, but right now I'm not necessarily using either. And I'm pulling on those social experiences that I had when it comes to communicating and leading groups and things like that, that I actually learned in more social settings than anywhere else. Yeah. I think it's hard for people to just put a, um, a number to it or, or like to, to place it on a resume and, and for it to meet, be meaningful until you maybe Get coming to the interview, do you think that's where it, it, those kind of things come out is like you sit, sit somebody down? I mean, I can tell you as an employer or somebody who meets a lot of people like you as a salesperson, um, you get a real quick feeling of, about if this person is a personable person, if they're going to be a good fit for your company culture or you want to work with them long, time, long term. Is that, is that where it came out um, for you when you were interviewed? It, was it during the interview, that sort of thing? Like, how do you exhibit that? Yeah, it's, it's definitely during the interview. And some of it is, again, you get that initial feeling during the interview, but then you have to have a chance to obviously prove it as well. And it's hard to have, like you said, proof of that. You can't just put it on a resume. Like I can talk to people, I promise, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it is something that you do actually have to demonstrate. Uh, And I guess for me, it came out most when I was an engineer, because, you know, stereotypically engineers are not the best people, uh, communicators, like people, people, you know? Um, and so it became apparent to me that I had those initial skills kind of in comparison to some of the other things I was seeing. And again, you can have somebody who is a great leader of a company and, you know, really organized, really great at what they do, but if they can't 
you know, effectively communicate with other people or they don't have that natural connection, it's really hard to grow whatever it is that they're doing. And so, especially now being at such a technical company, our owner is also an engineer and then our staff is mostly installers. And so, yes, they can obviously communicate their ideas themselves, but it really helps to just have some additional backup for, even if it's some of that small talk, you know, how's your wife doing those types of Mm -hmm. things. Um, it is super helpful when it comes to building those relationships with clients. Yeah. Elaborate for us a little bit about what you would, what you would consider, like if you could maybe rattle them off and then elaborate on them about what are the soft skills of of business development? What do do you consider the soft skills? Um, Well, definitely one of the top ones is communication for sure. Uh, And then just for having that personal connection with people, it's, making sure that you are establishing like, first and foremost, I am here for you. And then if we have some work, awesome. But that's what makes it different from sales is I'm not just out there, you know, trying to get work from everybody that I talk to. I'm out there to connect people together, even if it's not initially beneficial to me. And really, um, yeah, I guess being a connector more than anything else is probably the best way to put it. And then staying organized, obviously, as you start to grow your network, it's important to keep track of, you know, how you met these people and making sure that you stay in contact with everybody. Um, Because obviously as your network starts to get bigger, you don't want anybody to necessarily fall off your radar. Um, So staying organized is definitely one of the um, more unexpected skills that I have encountered um, moving forward with this new position. How do you stay organized? My wife has a uh, database. Do you have a database? Yeah. So we use a CRM, which was a new thing to me. Again, I didn't know what that was. Uh, It's a, Client relationship management, I believe is what it stands for. You got Um, it. Yep. There we go. See, I learned a bunch of things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You can can teach an old engineer new things. You're not old. There we go. There we go. (laughs) So yeah, between that and then um, even beforehand, when I was an engineer, I just kept a spreadsheet um, pretty much, you know, name, company, contact, and then a quick note section of, you know, how and when I met them or whatever our most recent interaction was. Um, Because again, it's, even if you do genuinely care about everybody you meet, once you meet, you know, that many people, it is tough to try to remember details about everybody. So keeping a database like that is very important. And then uh, CRM also, for those of you who don't know, it'll send out, you know, newsletters, any updates and things like that, um, kind of as a, a mass emailer as well. Do you have a, do you have rules of thumb um, as it pertains to the timeline of you've connected to somebody then I have to, I need to touch them, you know, and I mean metaphorically, touch them with an email, touch them with a phone call, touch them with a text message in a certain amount of time, and then follow up from there. Talk about, talk about that. If you, if you maybe, maybe it's just, maybe it's just kind of loose. I don't know, but I'm always interested to know what are people's rules of thumbs about following up with people. Yes. Uh, and that's honestly something that I'm still learning as I go as well. Uh, so the way I'm kind of doing it now is try to do three initial touches. So, you know, you run into them, I mean, normal times, right? Run into them at a networking event. Then maybe you reach out and say, Hey, I'd love to grab lunch or, you know, what projects are you working on? I'd love to do a project walk with you. Um, which is still one of my favorite things to do, honestly. Uh, and then, you know, if nothing kind of comes about by that third contact, then it's just keep them in that CRM. So they're getting your most recent company updates, any newsletters, um, make sure that they're following you maybe on social media. And then from there, it's really just a matter of maybe once every six months um, or so kind of touch base again, more personally and say, Hey, how are you doing? I'd love to catch up. Um, And then from there, you know, 
if something comes cool, but if not, that's part of what this is, right? Sometimes it's a really long game, uh, kind of like in our situation, you helped this company out ages ago, but just kind of stayed in the loop. So just making sure that at the very least, they're getting your company's updates and seeing what you guys are up to because, you know, it is a two way street. If they see something that's like, Hey, that's super cool. I didn't know you did that. They might be reaching out to you. So, um, I would say three touches and then every few months or so. Yeah. I think you're, I'm so glad you brought up the point about it's a long game. Alex and I have said that so many times on the podcast that this is a business, um, service-based business specifically. Well, even product-based, maybe, maybe you could say that too, because maybe, maybe, maybe product-based companies do the same thing where they're saying, look, it could be three years down the road before they finally buy the Tesla or, or whatever kind of right. thing they're going to buy. Um, Keeping, I think people, it's important that people keep that perspective that it's not, we live in the, in an age of instant gratification. And so being able to navigate that long-term thing, I think is going to lead to long-term um, success. So thanks for sharing all that with us. Um, why don't you give us some, let's move into um, kind of more off of business development and get us some practical applications. Uh, if, if you could give us some examples of automation how you guys are working to, at, uh, at DMI to make people's lives easier and with what you do. Absolutely. So one of the biggest things uh, that makes us different as just a home automation firm is oftentimes we get that reputation of just being the AV guys. And that although we do those things, obviously, AV being audio video, that's not exclusively what we do. And a lot of times when people think of that, they just think of somebody who comes in, you know, puts up a giant TV in their house, maybe a home theater and some like super fancy speakers. And like, that's great if that's what you're looking for. But when it comes down to it, our biggest mission is exactly like you said, just make your life easier. And somebody had a great analogy for it of, uh, if you don't have a system that makes your life easier, all you have is a smart remote for your house, mm. which is cool, but you know, it's not necessarily improving your life in any way. So one of the biggest things we focus on is obviously just getting to know our clients and getting to know exactly what they need. We're not going to propose something for you that we don't think is practical for the application that you're looking for. Um, so sometimes that is, you know, recommending a slightly higher end product that maybe has a little more capabilities, but we're never just going to, you know, throw in something because we're making the most profit margin off of it. Um, and some of that being the long-term game too, you know, a lot of our clients are lifetime clients, you know, they get a new vacation home or they want to do updates mm -hmm. to their system. They can always come back to us um, because we've really built that trust with them. So a lot of those things end up being very practical um, from the security and life and water safety side. Um, we can set up automated water shutoff where, you know, you're on vacation, it detects a leak. And instead of just, you know, setting off alarm in your house that you can't hear because you're on vacation, you get a notification to your phone that says, Hey, we detected a leak, but don't worry. We've shut off your water and we've notified your neighbors. And then you have peace of mind while you're sitting on the beach in Mexico that your house isn't flooded. So really having those practical applications, obviously mixed in with the fun stuff too. You know, we've been doing a lot of, um, you know, home theaters, obviously as movie theaters have kind of fallen off the radar recently along with, you know, golf simulators and things like that, which is awesome. But also to the energy saving side of things, I always say it's every mm. dad's dream to have an the away thermostat. mode. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, for a fact, every yeah. light in the house is turned off and your thermostat has adjusted. And again, maybe your water shuts off for away mode too. Um, but really implementing those practical things. And then um, geofencing is one of my other favorites where you pull up in your driveway and your house recognizes, hey, 
you've just arrived at home and it automatically starts making those adjustments for you. Your garage door opens, your exterior lights turn on, your thermostat adjusts, and you know, maybe your favorite song comes on or whatever the case may be. Um, so those little things that you don't necessarily think of that really improve your way of life um, is really what we try to we try to show people as well. And it's it's more of an experience as opposed to products. What about your security? What about security? How do you help people with peace of you talked a lot of what you just said is peace of mind. And I really like that, especially when you go on vacation. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm of the same mindset. Like I, I need to know that every, my mom was the same way. Every time we'd go on vacation, she's like, I think I forgot the burner. Exactly. Um, what about security? Do you guys, do you guys dabble in any of that? Yes, we do security. And that's something that not all automation firms include either, but to us, it, it just makes perfect sense to do it that way. So one from an alert standpoint too, when you have all of the systems in your home integrated, when your security system goes off, say, you know, somebody approaches your front door at two in the morning, not only does, you know, your security system alert you, but all of your exterior lights come on. Maybe you have sounds or sirens that go off as deterrents um, because really more than anything, that's what ends up saving those sort of theft related emergencies more than anything else is a good deterrent to just scare the person off because, you know, it just it comes mm -hmm. down to how determined they are. But um, so we do that. And then um, one of the other things that's nice with having an automation system combined with your security system is you have on-site storage of all of your um, footage recordings. So instead of, you know, having them into the cloud with Ring or something, which is great, um, you have storage on your own premises that doesn't get compressed over time. So that means, you know, if you have to look up footage from two months ago, you can still clearly see all the faces in that footage because it hasn't just been, you know, stored on some cloud system where over time you're not going to be able to see anything. Um, so it's little things like that that start to tie in when you really get a whole system going and then bring security into it as well. And then, yeah. you know, it has those standard features too. you know, video doorbell, you can always look up footage of whatever's happening at any given time. Uh, but it's just those, those extra features that make it special. Yeah, that's great. You guys are a total package. Um, clients. Yes. So big, big question is how, how is everything going in COVID? And then some, then some pointed questions about either before, before COVID or even during, you know, now and everything. Um, how do you find clients and how, how are they finding you guys? Yeah, so a lot of our clients um, end up being repeat clients. So whether that means they're ready for an upgrade or they're having any sort of issues with their system, one of the things that was fortunate for us, um, and this is obviously all the time, but really became a, a showcaseable feature in COVID is remote management of the systems. So, you know, if you call us and say, hey, my Apple TV in the basement isn't working, we can remotely restart that from our office. We don't have to drive off to wherever. We don't actually have to go there in person. Um, and a lot of the times that solves a lot of the um, issues that our clients are having. So that is awesome. And same for them too. Again, if you're on vacation and you still have access to all of the systems in your home, um, even if you're not there. So that has been a really big sort of selling point for us is we can still help you and we don't even have to come in contact with you. Um, and then aside from that, from my perspective, I came in with a lot of contacts to um, builders and architects already just from my previous job. So that was kind of easy to just call up my friends and say, hey, I've changed jobs. I don't know if you knew. I'd love to tell you about what I'm doing. Um, and then from there, the toughest people to get in front of are obviously the homeowners mm -hmm. because we work with such a range, range, wide range of people. Uh, if you're a homeowner and you wanted a new system in your home, uh, even retrofit, you know, your existing home, that's been the hardest group to get in front of. Um, and typically the best way to do that is to host events. 
um, you know, just to have it open to the public or invite only, whatever the case might be. Uh, we've had some success pairing up with real estate agents and doing open houses um, where, again, they can invite people, we invite some people, and that's how you get in front of people interested in purchasing the property. Um, so that's really been the toughest one, but builders and architects, that's also where, um, being on boards is really helpful. So I'm, I'm pretty involved with the home builders association of Metro Denver. And so that gives me the opportunity to be in contact with those builders and architects and more so than just being in contact with them, hear about what issues they're having or from their perspective, how I can be of most help to them, uh, instead of, again, just kind of chasing them down and constantly asking what they're doing, just being in their general circle on a daily basis is is really the best way that I've found to be in front of that. What a what a what a great little niche. I I, I don't want to, I don't want the listeners to glance over what you just said about being on the board and how that how that gives you access and connections. Um, I mean, because the thing is, like, I can't imagine Haley's going in on these boards and just like hire us, hire us. No, no, no. It's about it's about being the professional, being the knowledge, being the knowledge person when it comes to all of the automation and providing providing help and a sounding board like you talked about. And then once you're looked at as, as that reliable person and that reliable entity, they're going to come back to you. Like if eventually it's going to come full circle, but it's not this, again, it's not this instant gratification thing. Man, I would encourage everybody who's listening, if they are thinking about uh, different kinds of boards that they could possibly be on, to, to just be another way to sort of network um, and, and get yourself connected and known in the industry. I think that's great. Um, very cool. Uh Tell us about the wellness applications of automation. Um, that's one of the things you, you, you mentioned to me when we were talking here um, yeah. leading up to this interview. Um, what do you mean by that wellness of that wellness applications of automation? So wellness has kind of become one of those key terms in the pandemic. I feel like, you know, just overall, you know, now that you have the time to dedicate to yourself or whatever the case might be. And for the home building industry, a lot of people are spending a lot more time in their homes and mm-hmm. starting to realize either flaws or things they want to change. Um, and so from a new build wellness perspective, it would be, you know, making sure you maybe include products with fewer chemicals or whatever the case might be. But from an automation standpoint, one of my favorite wellness applications is what's referred to as tunable white lighting, which, you know, before when you're picking out a light bulb for maybe a lamp or your house, you kind of look at a range of kind of warmer yellow tones or brighter white tones and say, well, this one looks kind of nice. I guess I'll go with this. Well, now there's lighting where one bulb can actually um, light with all of those ranges of um, temperature of Kelvin is the, mm. the technical term, but that yellow to white light. So what that does essentially is as the day progresses, the lights in your home are mimicking the sun. So in the morning, you're waking up to that warm yellow light. And then as you progress to high noon, you get that brighter white light that really helps with your productivity. But then as the evening starts to wind down, they go back to that amber yellow light which helps with your circadian rhythm and keeps your sleep patterns on track. Um, that's obviously been a big thing recently, obviously with blue lights and lots of screens. Um, so if the lights in your home are kind of complementing your natural rhythms, that helps with sleep patterns, overall productivity. Um, so that one really being one of my favorites. And then on top of that is um, air filters with your HVAC system that tell you, hey, you know, at the very least it's time to change your filter or you know, it knows when to kick into higher gear where maybe, you know, like the fires that we had over the summer, if there's a lot of smoke in the air, it's detecting that and adjusting the filtration based on what those levels are. Um, but really the, the tunable white is definitely one of my favorites um, when it comes to wellness and especially something that people might not think of right off the bat either. 
Yeah, definitely. I know, honestly, that that's what that's, I'm glad you, I'm glad you um, posed this question for me to ask this question, because I had no idea about that, that, that it could affect you like that. I mean, everybody knows about natural light, but obviously, right. um, with, uh, you know, artificial lights, it's a whole different story. Um, la- last, last thing sort of here about um, automation and what you guys do pre-wiring. Obviously, so I, I built a custom house. We did some pre-wiring for speakers and stuff like that that we'll do later on down the road. Um, but t- make 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 your little make your pitch if you would about pre-wiring as it pertains to what you guys do and how you guys encourage that or or when is the right time if people are thinking about building a home or even maybe an office and they're um, you know setting up all their all their stuff like when should they be tackling this sort of thing. Yeah, so pre-wire is definitely best whenever you're putting in the rest of your electrical wires. Um, so it's really great for us to coordinate with your electrician if you already have one hired or if, you know, once you kind of have framing done, then you can do a walkthrough and say, you know, I probably want speakers in this room or we're definitely going to have TVs here. And the biggest part for this is, you know, the price for projects really comes from the products you're putting in. The wires are just the cheap upfront cost. And so even if you haven't necessarily made up your mind for exactly what you want, if you just run the wires the extra 10 feet so you have the option, it's going to give you a lot more flexibility down the line when it comes to customizing your project. So same thing going even for homes that are new build and you don't have a buyer in mind yet. If you've just set up that initial infrastructure, it gives your potential client a lot of potential when it comes to the final um, system that they want to install. So, you know, these projects can easily get up to maybe six figures for a new build. But if you throw in three to five grand of pre-wire, you've set them up for pretty much anything they could want to do um, for really minimal cost, um, especially when it comes to new build projects. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, one question I like to ask, ask every guest, and this is sort of the final question before I say, hey, where can people find you, follow you, if they are interested in DMI and what you guys do? Knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time when you first started um, at any at any level of profession, whether it was you doing the structural engineering or at DMI, what kind of advice would you give yourself? Definitely trust your skills. Uh, know what your strengths are and don't be afraid to really implement them. Uh, and, and don't be hesitant and don't be intimidated by maybe being in a new position or being fresh out of school and really, uh, know where you can succeed and don't be afraid to, to take those steps. I love it. Beautiful. Haley, if people like what they hear about what you guys are doing, I love what, I love to hear what you guys are doing. It sounds amazing, especially it just, I mean, automating your life, right? The idea you're just going to save so much time, peace of mind, you're going to sleep better. You're going to be even more well, you know, you're going to be healthier. It sounds like, um, where can people find and follow you and your company? Uh, well, as for myself, I am on LinkedIn. You can find me at Haley Selden, uh, spelling should be in the bio, I'm sure. And then our company is both on Facebook. Well, I guess all three, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, uh, and all of those are digital media innovations, uh, DMI for short. And uh, yeah, we try to post updates on all of those and lots of live videos on Instagram too, if you ever want to see the projects we're working on. So we, uh, we encourage you guys to follow us. Yeah. And they do the continuing education credits too. So for all you architects out there listening, interior designers, people like that who, who need the continuing education credits, please follow them because um, they were great. They took care of some for me and I really appreciated that. Haley, it has been a pleasure. Um, again, happy new year to you and DMI. I wish you guys the most, you know, a bunch of success in, in this new year, 2021. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Awesome. Thank you for having me.